Hey, sports fans, welcome in to Miked Up with Kaylee Mizell. I'm your host, Kaylee Mizell. Thanks so much for joining me. Miked Up is brought to you by International Diamond Center, your local diamond experts since 1981. This week, I talked to Becky Bonner, Director of Player Development and Basketball Operations at the Orlando Magic. Many say she will likely be the first female GM in the NBA, and she had a lot of amazing things to say, and you'll hear that shortly after a word from our sponsor, International Diamond Center. A lot of people talk about clarity, they talk about color, they talk about the size. The cut is the most important. International Diamond Center owner Keith LeClaire talks about the most important of the four C's, the cut. The way the diamond is cut is 60% of the value. Keith says it's like comparing two men who weigh the same but don't look at all alike. One may look like Tim Tebow and the other one looks like me. I highly recommend you stay with Tebow. <laughs> International Diamond Center. Buy the one that looks like Tim Tebow. Okay, fans, I am so excited to talk to Becky today. We've, we've been chatting back and forth via email, and uh, I'm, I'm really, really pumped to bring you this interview today. So welcome, Becky, to Miked Up with Kaylee Mizell into our, our studio. You're, you're over in Orlando, but I'm over here in Tampa, and we're, we're talking because we've got technology and Zoom and all this other stuff. So it's so good to see you in person. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to start you off by uh, by saying, take me back to a younger Becky <laughs> and and tell me about when did you know that you were good enough at understanding the game of basketball, at player development, about knowing what makes a good player great uh, or w what they need to do to get great, what makes an organization great and run well. When did you know you were good enough at understanding all of these things to say, you know what, I think I can get paid to help players develop and help organizations run and, and kind of blossom into, into the future? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm also excited to be here and, and talk with you, Kaylee. Um, we've been, like you said, we've been planning this for a while, going back and forth. So excited to be here. And, um, you know, I'm so fortunate. I'm the middle of three. I have an older brother, a younger brother, and we grew up playing all the sports, doing all these activities. And in a, in a close in age, so you know our household was very active and fun. Um, and I actually ended up tagging along my older brother to his AAU and his um, basketball practices, and I really fell in love with the game at an early age. I was not very good to start. I was six two at age eleven, so kind of you know a baby, awkward baby deer out there, and just my body catching up with um, the physicality and athleticism took a bit. Um, and so I had to work really hard to be considered, as you say, good. Um, and I never really thought I was good, but I thought I could play. And when I was probably 13 years old, I started attending and participating in my older brother's practices with the boys. Um, and holding my own as in the drills is a lot of skill work and all of that. And we really worked on the fundamentals of the game, ball handling, shooting, passing, um, getting in a defensive stance and all of that. And so we really, like, we drilled it all the time. We um, were gym rats, Matt and I, and then my younger brother, Luke, 
and we were always working on our skill set. Um, and that was just the way it was. It wasn't like I was active mindfully saying, oh, I'm working on my player development. And um, it, it was just working on your game, right? Because it was fun and I loved it. And I didn't want to do anything else. So it was a very natural thing to be in the gym. Um, and then we had um, great people around us and great coaches, but our the, the, co the head coach of the AAU team was frequently late to practice. And practice always started with like the same three things, full, full court layups, right and left. I can recite it to this day. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it, like they burned it into your brain. And three on two. And everybody <laughs> likes three on two. So when he was late, um, sometimes I would, I, it kind of frustrated me or he would take a phone call. So here we are, we've done like a hundred layups. Let's move on to the next thing. And no one would say anything. They just keep doing it. And so I finally said, okay, let's switch to our left hand. Let's make 50. We make 50. Okay, let's move on to this. And I started just out of just not wanting to do that anymore, um, kind of taking over. And then when um, I did it the first time, I still remember being scared that the coach was going to be mad, but he came back in and he didn't even notice. So I just kind of filled that role um, amongst the boys and just kept us moving so that with our two hour or whatever we had for gym time, we weren't just doing right-handed full court layups the entire time because the coach took a phone call and wasn't paying attention. Um, and that's kind of how it, it was. And I ended up sort of becoming that person for the team. And, you know, when we would go work out on our own, it was kind of the same group of people. We had, um, you know, this, he's become a famous workout guy now. Chris Brickley was around us. Um, Luke and Matt, of course, and we were a little crew and we were always in the gym. So it was just a way of life, you know? Yeah, I, that, that sounds <laughs> just for you to say like, hey, we're, we're going to switch over and do this thing. Um, first of all, that takes a lot of courage. Um, so I, I assume you have a natural kind of confidence, you know, or did, did you have to build that? Right. Because that takes, I mean, to do that at when, you know, yeah, preteen, teen, young teen, as, <laughs> a, as you know, like, I, I, you, you know, your words kind of like a tall, you know, awkward, maybe kind of, you know, preteen, <laughs> right. Like that has to take a little bit of confidence. Do you think that you always had that confidence or did you develop that? I would say, um, you know, self-confidence for me on the, in the gym is different than out off the court. Um, okay. and, um, speaking and being in the gym feels like home. So, and very confident there. Um, and so I, and plus, you know, I'm just, I think I might be, you know, maybe I'm just a very practical person because whatever just makes sense and is productive, that's just, I, I don't know. I've always been one of those people that needed to know the why, you know, in, in school, if we had yep. a substitute teacher and we had to do a worksheet, why are we doing this worksheet? Is, is it busy work? Is it, you know, and on the court, why are we doing this drill? I needed to know. And I, I, I guess I'm inquisitive and I've always been sort of, you know, maybe outspoken and maybe a little rough around the edges at, you know, at, at times, but, um, my, my heart is good. My care is there. And I always come from a place of just wanting to learn and, and get better. And I think that's just kind of the way I, 
was born. Yeah. You know? No, I, I, I feel very kindred to you in a lot of the things that you're saying. So I am the only girl in, in a, a, a house full of boys. I have an older brother and a younger brother. So I'm also the middle child. Oh, um, wow. So, you know, and I think that I'm wondering from your perspective, because some of the characteristics that you're mentioning, I do attribute to being a middle child and to kind of, Mm -hmm. you have to be as a middle child, you have to kind of be a chameleon. You have to Mm -hmm. be able to kind of like ride up with the older brother and like figure it out and like play with like the bigger guys. Right. But then you also Mm -hmm. can have those moments where you are hanging out with the, with the younger brother and you're like goofing off and you're being silly and it's a little bit more like relaxed, right? You have to be, as a middle child, you have to be kind of a chameleon. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. wondering from your perspective, that's my perspective on being a middle child, but from your perspective, how much of that maybe helped you and, and, and led to some of these, like, yeah, the practicality, like I, I, I was always that kid too, like wanting to know why, like, you know, like, because I said so was never really a good enough answer for me. I didn't, I did not really appreciate that kind of uh, language. I wanted to know more because efficiency, productivity, like those things mattered to me. Um, And I guess I'm just wondering, like, do you, do you think that that, that maybe, where do you think you get those attributes from? I would, I think I get those attributes from my upbringing for sure. Um, we had a very competitive household at an early age, whether it was Candyland battles or Monopoly um, or, you know, playing with home run derby in the um, driveway or whatever we were doing. We were also always outside and super creative and always, you know, if we were in the house, we had to do housework and no one wanted to do that. So we stayed outside or went to the gym, but um, we, um, we definitely are competitive with each other and I always I never understood you know Matt was is very special he was a very special basketball player um he played in the NBA and all this and I didn't understand okay big deal I'm literally next to him doing all of the same things that he's doing so he's not like I'm great too you know and that kind of um you know was my way you know if he was in the weight room trying to doing weight routines or whatever workout he was doing I was also side by side for the same amount of time trying to get better and so having that perspective as the sister of watching like I literally watched a professional athlete become created right and I saw um, all of the division one coaches recruit him and go through that process then I saw him I watched him um, graduate from Florida and go on to try to make an NBA roster and then make an NBA roster and then um, be on a championship team for what 10 or 11 years. And so I had a front row seat while being a player myself for the playing career and the student, um, but also as a professional, meaning while he was playing, I was working in women's college basketball as director of basketball operations or coaching, and then at the league office or USA basketball. And so while he simultaneously being the sister of and having a front row seat of what it's like to be Matt, I'm being me and seeing what doors can be opened and how um, basketball can, can take me places as well and not as a player. So I just feel like um, that perspective and 
seeing how, you know, an MBA gets treated really nicely and a lot of things are given to them and um, they have a big platform while same thing while I'm, um, you know, mopping the floor or doing the laundry or in the equipment um, for the Louisville team and organizing their travel. And I'm in the nitty gritty of the, in the weeds, as they say, of how the sausage is made and um, trying to figure and to see it from all these different lenses, um, I think has really shaped my, who I am today because yeah. I look at everything from, oh, I've done that. And I know how it feels to be there or I can imagine how it feels to be there. So I often have a lot of understanding and empathy for all the roles involved and how it, what it takes to have, to get towards winning because winning is systematic and you need the winning habits to go along with it, um, in my opinion. And so I just feel like having that um, worldview and experience of, it's kind of a duality of watching like though I call it the 1% and being among the uh, worker bees, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think that, I think that's really interesting The that you mentioned empathy, right? Because I think all mm -hmm. of these studies have come out, right? And they say like, oh, the best leaders, the best, the best, um, you know, people in these roles are actually like really empathetic people. And so I think it's interesting that you use that word um, and that you equate, where you learned that empathy is from doing all of these different roles and, and work and, and, and sometimes maybe, you know, like not really glamorous roles either. Right. right? Like mopping the floor is not <laughs> super glamorous, but somebody has to do it. Like it has to get done. There is sweat on the court. Somebody has got to like that. It needs to be gone. Right. Like you don't want a player to get injured. Got to get right. the sweat up. Like it's got to be gone. Mm -hmm. So somebody has to do it. Um, how has, maybe being in those roles provided you the ability to kind of get empathy. And now you're kind of like seeing the, the benefits of that whenever you do relate to all of these different people, because the role that you're in, you have to be able to communicate with both players, with the front office, with, you know what I mean? There's so many people that are different and their minds work different. They're, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe they're, 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 you guys are all on the same team pulling the same rope, but you're coming at it from a different perspective sometimes, right? And so you're able to kind of connect all of those dots and interweave all of that stuff and help everyone pull in the same direction and be on the same page. How do you think that all of those roles and the empathy that you have have helped you to be able to do this position and do it really, really well? Thank you. Um, I absolutely think that the common goal is the love for the game. We all love basketball. I do not know how you could work for a team on specifically in the travel party too, and not love the game. It is a big commitment. It is a lifestyle. It's not a nine to five. Let me go do my Christmas dinner and take my week off, have my weekends and, um, you know, my hope, let me submit a vacation day. That's not what this is. This is at minimum, you know, an eight to nine month commitment and you go in, I call it, you go into the vortex of the team life. And then when you come out, hopefully like you have to figure out your life and you, the people that are in your life and a part of that. And so, and you eat all your meals with all the people that you work with and you spend so much time together. I, you just love of the game is what, I, it is what brings us together. 
But I will say my experience, I traveled the world when I was working for the league office. And one of my thing, one of the programs that I worked with was I would, we would use basketball to bring different um, people from like this side of the war to that side of the like belief, whether it was a Muslim and a Christian, a religious issue, I would go to these different areas. I mean, I've been to um, tons of different places where we would bring people that do not get along, do not have anything in common. And you put a basketball in their hand and you use, you make, you do teamwork drills through the game. And it's basically sports diplomacy right there. And you bring people together through the game. And if, if people who are that far apart can come together and participate in a one hour clinic and put their differences aside and high five each other and learn a skill set that they've never seen before together. That means that anyone, like people at the Orlando, amongst the Orlando Magic who are already on the same team, can find a place where they have understanding and can communicate with each other. And so the various spectrum of experience that I bring, I think, kind of. Um, creates a, you know, a nice and calm and approachable demeanor where, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's love for the game, given serving the game. And, um, you know, we're, we really are all in this together, especially in COVID times. And so um, just remembering the human factor is really, really important. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned like, you know, kind of a vortex. I mean, that literally happened with COVID, right? Like, this mm-hmm. you were in a bubble like the, yes. you can't you can't really communicate or you can communicate but like you can't go <laughs> out and like just eat with your friend like you used to because you have to be you have to protect yourself you have to protect the players you have to protect you know what I mean the organization yep. um what what was that like that bubble life for you and how much did that ne- maybe change perspectives on like yeah this we are a unit and we have to be doing this together I would say, you know, this is a billion dollar entity, you know, each, each, all 30 teams are valued over two, maybe 2 billion, $2.4 billion right now, excuse me. So, um, you know, that is a, a lot of money and that is a big deal. And so um, putting your team at risk by being irresponsible is never something that I for sure was um, going to do. And I, and I, of course, for my loved ones in the rest of the world, you know, following the protocols and the recommendations was something that I had no problem doing, you know, um, and being a leader by example and following those as well. Um, I never will preach at someone that they need to do with something, but just take care of myself and do the right thing. And um, that's kind of the approach that I took. And to me going to the bubble um, to save our season and to save money um, for people because that's really what at the end of the day you know the league needs if the, there's no games there's no money and that's just a fact and so um, being able for the organization to include me in the narrow like there weren't a lot of people that from each team that could go into the bubble and so to be chosen by you know Jeff and our head coach at the time to go because they called me a Swiss army knife I could do so much um for for everyone while in the bubble um meant a lot to me and in, you know for us it ended up being 
a 54 day commitment. You know, I only lived five miles away from where we were staying. So that was strange. Um, the experience was great. The league did such a great job. Um, you know, there were some, there were some like hurdles to get over and everything was addressed in a timely fashion and the level of service and care for all, all of us while we were in there was above standard, you know, above and beyond as they always do. And it was also nice, you know, as I used to work for the league, so seeing some old colleagues and spending time with people from other teams, you know, our gathering point was around the pool or going fishing. And I have great stories and great memories from that um, while being away from my, my loved ones. Coming up, Becky and I talk a little bit more about what it's like to be a female in the NBA. But first, a word from International Diamond Center. At IDC, you're going to see more diamonds than you ever imagined in one place at prices you never thought possible. IDC owner Keith LeClaire. Nobody's ever accused me of not having enough diamonds. We're talking 30 times the selection of ordinary jewelry stores, all at rock bottom, no middleman prices, right? We refuse to be beat on any diamond, any price, anywhere, period. International Diamond Center. If you're in the market to buy a diamond and you don't come to IDC, you are nuts. <laughs> You mentioned earlier the love of the game, and that's the thing that ties everyone together and brings everybody together, both, you know, within an organization, but even people who are, you know, diametrically opposed in, in, in maybe a, a singular issue. I'm wondering, while everything is not perfect and while I think that there we would probably both say like, yeah, th there is even more that can be done on respecting and bringing in more women into the NBA do you think that maybe the NBA is ahead of other leagues that you see because everyone, because there's that game respect game type thing? I mean, you see it from the players. Like if somebody, if they see like, you know, a WNBA player, you know, a, a college, you know, a, a female, like basketball player, if, if they see them do something really cool, like they're all about it. They're like tweeting it. They're saying like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like, I've never seen anything like this. And so I think you see that a little bit more that like game respect game. We all love this game and we can appreciate when someone is like highly talented at it. Do you think that that kind of all goes back to the love of the game? And that maybe that's why we see more um, openness in the NBA towards women being in roles that maybe they hadn't previously been in? That's a good, a great question. I've thought about that a lot myself. I have a, an interesting answer for you. Um, you know, for sure on the player side, players respect players. That has been since even, you know, I was coming up, my older brothers and their teammates and everything like that. And um, I always felt that. Um, I grew up in a different time than the ladies playing now. I was what, college in the early 2000s so it's just a different time but still title nine and you know we don't need to get into all the NCAA stuff that we now have seen through um last year's tournament to this year's tournament and whatnot but um a lot of growth has come and it's all good for women and I'm um a huge believer in the more women around the better um and how quickly you'll see it in the results of winning so that's where I feel like there's so much value to it and um, as far as like our league, I think there's a lot of women in the NBA. Uh, do I want to call the NBA like a leader in this area or the best? I, 
Do you see a, a female GM? No, not you don't. Do you see a female head coach? No, you don't. Um, in baseball, do you see a female GM? Yes. Um, and, and, and you see a lot of assistant coaches or coaches coming up in the NFL. And I know there's a lot of work on that side as well. Um, in other pro sports leagues, I think I, I just can't even understand why you wouldn't want women around. You know, we have pro, we have women's college sports, we have women's pro sports, and men are involved. Um, and so I just, I just don't even. My brain does not even understand that. But I will say, when I was younger, I didn't. I was almost embarrassed to share my dream of being wanting to be an NBA GM, and I kind of whispered it because I didn't think that was even like that would ever even be something attainable. And I, I whispered it to a colleague and he goes, why not? You can do that. And when he said that, I started to believe it. And I, it really changed me um, because I started to think about it. I'm like, I'm literally in the room with all of these people and key influencers around the game. I'm sitting next to them. So why can't I be in the, a GM? So I would, I just always chat, who hires the GMs? the owners and so I or the governors and so I just say why not now why not anybody like it's not that big big of a deal if someone's qual if a woman is qualified she should get interviewed like how easy is it to just say oh we're going to interview so-and-so for a role and give it give that, that opportunity to me it's just so easy it's such an easy thing and such a, a good thing to do why wouldn't you do that and so I have a really hard time understanding that because um I just, in other, in other industries, I'm sure it's eight, like it's more corporate and you probably have to have a diversity of um, candidates for a pool of interviews. And here it's just a little, in sports, it's just a little different. And so, um, you know, it's who you know, who can give you the cosign or the stamp of approval to get in the door and all of that. And all of these executives have agents, all the coaches have agents and stuff. And so it's just, someone just needs to pull the trigger, so to speak, and hire a woman in a, in as a GM or a head coach and be, believe in them and empower them and give them, her the resources to be successful. There's a and lot she of, will be. yeah, a hundred percent. There's a lot of weight that comes with, um, being the first. So I'm told I'm. I'm not going to pretend to know what that feels like, but, but people talk about the weightiness of it. If you've made it clear that that's something that you want to shoot for, mm -hmm. um, and, and people around the sport have said that like, you are very much qualified to, to, to fill a role like that. Have you thought about what that would be like the weight of what that means? Yes, I mean, first of all, it the, that aside, I f I feel a heavy weight when you're the uh, like different, right? Yeah. When you're in a room and you're the only one of you, um, to me that is feels heavy, um, and so I've experienced that, right? Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of women have. A lot of um, people who are the more ma marginalized group have probably felt that, and I imagine um, that for other people, they feel like that. And so that in itself um, is take some is a is a thing to get through, right? And yeah. a thing to learn from and um, thrive at. 
um, you could say. So it will definitely be a heavy weight because there's always going to be haters and there's going, there's the Twitter and the social media. And, and um, I just always say, yes, women can make mistakes too. I've seen men make so many mistakes and all of that and, and, and everything's okay. And um, you know, we make mistakes as well. We are not perfect and we are flawed and all of those things, our intentions are good and we wanna work hard and we are just the same as everybody else that's trying to do this. And so um, being more accepting of someone making a mistake or learning on the job, so to speak, because there's never been one of that um, would be the messaging that I would want to say and being confident in the role and understanding, under, being like kind of leaning into the weight and feeling that because it's just the way it's going to be because if you're one out of, thir out of and there's 30 teams, that's just the way it's going to be, so. It's always, it, it will be a thing. And as soon as there's others, um, more and more women will be popping up in yeah. these roles and it's gonna be an exciting time for the league and for the game. The game, it's it's just gonna make the game better. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I'm on board with you with that. Have you got, you've, you've said before, and I agree with you that, that women will only make this game better. And I'm wondering if it kind of goes back to you know, the, the empathy thing, right? Like there, not to say that like, I'm not gender genderizing things and mm -hmm. I'm just saying socially, generally speaking, socially, women can be more empathetic. That's what you see, right? That that's what the data says. <laughs> Don't come after me, Twitter. This is what the data says. So do you think that, um, and then the data also says that great leaders are more empathetic. That's also mm -hmm. data. Do you mm -hmm. think that that plays a role into it? And, and what other are maybe some components why you think um, that women will be very successful and will help teams win more and be more successful? Well, first of all, like, I don't think all women will be great. There are going to be women that are horrible and should get fired, like, just <laughs> like there are men, right? Yeah. So that's a fact too. That's fair, um, yeah. There are, there are going to be women that are going to be crushing their role and deserve promotion and it's gonna and are gonna fight like hell to get that promotion so obviously just as just like the, the other males and um can have a whole different kind of pool of how they are we are as well and you know finding the right fit matters um amongst women and so i say all that i say that because yeah you can also fire like if i'm bad at what i'm doing i don't like fire me, you know? Yeah. Like I could, it's just the way this is. It's, a, it's a about the merit. Industry. It's not about, yeah. it's, it's right. not about anything it's else. So, it's the merit. But I will say it is, um, you know, it's a big decision for anyone to join. Like I started with pro sport with, especially the NBA 82 game season and the level of commitment and travel and all of that. And so, you know, if you're a woman committing to that, that's a big, you've thought about it. Like, you're not just like, well, let me try this because you're you're going in to, and you are committing to this um, lifestyle. And so, you know, you've really thought about it to, you know, step into pro sports and be around the game. Um, and you're going to get a great effort from someone that's 
committing their life to this. And so, uh, and, and, and especially, I just think women think different, you know, we're just, we're just different and it's for any, it's just the way it is yeah. to your point about the science. Like this is just the way it is. And so having all of one thing together is, I just don't know that that's, I'm pretty sure it's been proven that that is not the best way to go about any goal and having diversity of thought and everything like that, that goes into it, um, putting, moving people towards striving towards a goal of winning um, is the, is a, the best approach. And, and so we belong in the ingredients, you know? Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't, I just, it's just outdated to think that we don't. And people need the hiring leaders have to do the work, do yeah. the work. Don't just go, Oh, you're a woman. I'll hire you. You know, that's a box yeah. check. Yep. So find the, find the right person. Like you do for your other roles and with men. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a matter of opening up the pool and changing a perspective. It, it's like, it's like that guy that said to you, why not? It's like yep. that, that's the mindset that needs to shift is the why not. And then looking at qualified candidates and moving forward with the person that is going to be the right fit, no matter, you know, the gender, the color, the, you know what I mean? Like no matter those things, like, is this person going to be the right fit and just being open to different possibilities. And I also, I just wanted to add, like, I love the WNBA. I love the WNBA players, but just because you played in the WNBA doesn't mean you're going to be a great front office NBA front office person or NBA coach. Like, that's true for NBA players as well. Yeah. And so you see a lot of NBA teams looking to the W to hire, which is great, but there are like, I'm not, I didn't play in the WNBA and I love the game. And like, why, just because I didn't play in the WNBA and don't have that stamp, why can't I still work in the NBA? Do you know how many colleagues I have that can't even make a layup <laughs> that are male? You know what I mean? And so um, I, I always, that's sort of my message to women that are interested in, don't have the WNBA stamp. You like not all of my male colleagues played in the NBA or even made their varsity high school team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So no, for sure. It, it, it's not skills on the court. Don't necessarily equal skills off the court. And that's something I actually, you were talking about it at the very beginning. This is a skill that you have had since you were a young player you had the confidence you had the the passion you had like the the way that your brain works and like the productivity and the efficiency like to know at like what you know 11 to 13 years old to start kind of like running practice whenever your coach was was out um that that's a skill that you are both that you both acquired over time right but also that mm -hmm. you have some of those things naturally running through you and sometimes it doesn't matter if you can like actually do the thing well it matters can you tell someone else how to do the thing well right exactly. like that's that's a, that's a skill in and of itself and it's not always easily r replicated like I, I am terrible at sports but i but i talk about sports right like mm -hmm. i'm i'm not qualified to make a layup or to you know <laughs> throw a baseball like I, I am not athletic in that sense, um, but I can see what someone needs to do and exactly. I can talk about it 
Um, and those are two different skills and they, they can't be treated like they're the same skill. And it doesn't matter your gender. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. It doesn't matter what, yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what gender I am. I still have eyes. I can see what yeah. needs to be done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Soon Becky and I chat a little bit more specifically about her role with the magic and the players that she's excited to see more from in the future. But first, here's a word from IDC. We don't go through brokers or wholesalers. We go straight to the cutters. International Diamond Center owner Keith LeClaire. You cannot get any closer to the source than International Diamond Center. With tremendous buying power and international connections that go back over 35 years, IDC can easily guarantee the best diamond value. We refuse to be beat on any diamond, any price, anywhere. Period? Period. So there you have it. You're going to get a bigger, better diamond. You need another period after that. Period. <laughs> International Diamond Center. Thinking about your role specifically with the magic, um, there's you guys have a lot of young players that mm. um, I'm sure you're you're excited and have been excited to help develop um, all the way from the guys that you have right now in, in the NBA, but even even the guys that you pulled up, um, you know, from Lakeland this year that that have a lot of skill and talent. It seems to me like the Magic has has in a very exciting future as someone who works with these players and as the as the player development, um, you know, person at the Magic. What what are you excited about whenever you think about the future of these guys? Um, you know, our our young, our team, our roster, like from Lake, the Lakeland crew that's come up over to Orlando and everything that you just mentioned are, um, they're all hungry and they all love the game and they're all great to be around. It's not hard to say, hey, want to meet at this time to get some work in. They're going to be there. You know, they're going to be there. You don't have to worry about, hey, are you going to texting and making, dragging people into the gym? So um, that has been so easy here and then once guys are here um they're doing the work and their their energy is great there's a positive vibe but that that all starts with leadership you know that's jeff and jamal coming together and um creating this um way that everyone feels on a daily basis and they do a great job through the highs and the lows of pushing everyone uh, and, and stay staying focused on the positive and so um just really buying into the process of hard work and and the and not focusing on just the results right now um, is something that I think feels good. It feels good to work hard each day and 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 learn a new or really work on finishing at the rim or whatever you just did and celebrating that skill. And when you focus on the hard work and the discipline that it takes to do that. Um, the, the results will come yeah. and everything will be okay. Everything will fall into place. And so these guys have really bought into that and um, they're just so fun to be around. They've, they've made me feel so good uh, every time I come in to work and that isn't all, hasn't always been true. And so I just really appreciate everyone um, from the coaching staff to the players and everyone um, on the performance staff and front of, like the whole group that I'm around every day. Um, I commend them for their ability to um, do the do the hard work and and be positive throughout a, a season that didn't produce a lot of wins. So that I would say that like the future feels bright, it feels good, and I really I believe and and I think there's a collective belief here. 
Okay, kind of on that note, that that process over outcome, that that's a pretty mental place to be in. You know, you really have to change your perspective and your mentality quite a bit to say, you know what, I can't be attached to the results because the, the, the results are kind of out of my control. But what is in my control mm-hmm. is the hard work, the showing up, doing all of these little things. Um, but usually to, to kind of get everybody to buy into that, you do have to sometimes celebrate those little milestones. Mm-hmm. So maybe what are some of the little milestones or, or some of the achievements that you guys have celebrated throughout this season um, where it's maybe it's like a new PR, you know, weightlifting. Maybe it's a new this or whatever. I'm just interested to know because usually to like for everybody to be able to buy into that, you do have to celebrate some stuff along the way. I mean, our coaching staff, our head coach, you know, they really, we, they really love defense. Right. Yeah. And so focusing on stops, focusing on end of game results end of, uh, or end of quarter results and how that was handled, even if the shot didn't go in, if the execution was there and it was the right decision, um, showing that and saying, this is what we want. Great. It's going to go in next time. Um, that kind of approach and celebrating that the ball movement, how many assists, that were we had how many threes um showing a great showing um the good hey this was a great defensive possession look at this look at the heat look at our heat look at our low man rotation look how we and then we boxed out and we took it down we threw we did a throw ahead pass and we went and on offense um this was a great play call this was a great read the ball moved the ball moved and so um those are the ways that um they are coached through the season and that's what they see. And, and that is an example of, um, you know, celebrating the process and showing that um, we're right there. We're right there and understanding that this league, like you could say at one point in our season, golden state was running, like it was on this incredible winning streak, but there were games where they were down 23, they kept playing and they came back and won and using that as an example of, you know, go to the next play, keep playing. Because in our league, if you get hot from the three-point line, you can really turn uh, turn it around quickly. Yeah, it can change pretty quickly, for sure. Mm-hmm. So getting into the last four questions, I call this the final yeah. countdown. It's the same four <laughs> questions I ask everybody. So what is your happy Gilmore-esque happy place? Um, the beach, St. Pete Beach specifically. Um, I go there. That is my happy place. My balcony there. Oh, Looking that's at the water. Do you like get paint me paint me a, a picture? Are you? Uh, is it sunset? Do you have a drink in your hand? Are Sitting you- on my on the chair. It's a it's a nice day. Not too hot. Not too cold. Nice breeze. And I'm just looking at the water. This is. I could have a drink. I could just be sitting there with um, my boyfriend, and just really just not doing a whole lot of nothing. Just enjoying the outside there. It's my happy place for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the beach as well. And, and, and like you said, the St. Pete beaches. Uh, yeah. It's great over there. Um, okay. Number two. If the Orlando Magic team was a person, how would you describe them? Like one hmm. person. The whole team is just one person. How would you describe them? A, a good, a fun vibe. Uh, like just a good time. Somewhere you want to be and you won't have, you won't have to walk on eggshells. You can be yourself. So I, it's two words, but positive vibes. 
Goodbye. Yeah. Fun. I like that. No, I love that. Fun. I love that. Um, if you could go back and tell your younger self something, maybe a piece of advice or, or something, what would you say? I would tell my younger self um, to worry less about what people think about me. Yeah. That's what I hear a I mean, lot. I outgrew that, but I did have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, for sure. I think I think that's something. I don't know if that's like everybody, but I definitely like in, in these interviews, I've heard from different women and that's something that they, that comes up time and time again, like worry less about what people yep. think about you. Just worry less. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yep. matter. They don't um, even remember or care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, I heard, I don't know if, I don't know who to attribute this quote to, but I heard a quote one time and it's like, someone else's opinion of you is not your business. And it's like, that's, that's, that's really good. good. That's good advice. You're, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's not my, it's not my business. I don't care. It's not, it's not on me. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Finishing up. What is something outside of work that has brought you some joy this week? Outside of work. Um, my dog brings oh, me lots yeah. of joy. He is the best. So tell me a little bit more about him. I want to name, <laughs> name breed. Okay. He's a Decker rat terrier, which is a bigger rat terrier and his face and body. He looks like two different dogs. So Ooh. he look, kind of looks like a cow, like a big head. Uh, he, he looks like a Doberman on his head. Okay. Like those features. And then um, he, his markings on his body make him look like a cow. So I always tell children he's half dog, half cow, and they they look at me confused. That is so um, cute. But his name is Bullet. Bullet. He is very privileged. This dog, he has a great life. Um, he goes to the dog park and runs around. He sleeps in, in the bed with. He cuddle. He's a love yeah. bug. And I read something that if you pet a dog, um, your heart rate goes down or your heart, blood pressure goes down by it. 10% or something, whatever it is. Yeah. And I believe it, you know, if I had a rough day or a lot of travel and I just pet him, I'm like, okay, I feel better. And I wasn't a big dog person before we got him oh. either. We, I grew up with a dog and I was involved because it's like your turn to walk the dog and all yeah, that. Like chores. And, but, yeah, um, kind of thing. I never saw myself being a dog owner due to my lifestyle, but yeah. Um, we got him, you know, when our season was on hiatus and, um, it's, I'm so happy we did it. Yeah. Oh, he sounds like such a sweet guy. So you, so you said that, that he, he lives a a fairly lavish lifestyle. This is my key question to, to kind of like differentiate what kind of food does he eat? Well, he eats like the dog food I buy from the grocery store, but oh, he okay. also eats a lot of human food. That's what I was going to say. Spoil him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the key. If you, I know people. I'm the like... worst. Will <laughs> is very good with that. And he, I, anything that Will has trained him, I just undo. Yeah. You're like, you can have some of my I can't chicken. Resist. I can't, you give me that face and this, yeah. here you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, well, I hope that you get lots of cuddles in lots of beach <laughs> time soon. Uh, Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's great to get to know you. It was an honor to talk to Becky this week, and I am thrilled to be able to watch her career. I know that she's going to do some big things. So again, another thank you to Becky and to the Orlando Magic for letting her talk to me for a little bit of time. And fans, you can catch more episodes on Apple or Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. 
Plus, we have clips of Mic'd Up with Kaylee Mizell out on our social platforms. So be sure to follow at Valley Sports Florida and Sun on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers today or exploretoyota.com and take advantage of the amazing deals on our full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. This has been Mike's Up with Kaylee Mizell, brought to you by International Diamond Center, your local diamond experts since 1981. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time.